Thanks for listening to the Embrace Church podcast. Wherever you're at today, we hope this message encourages you to take a step towards Jesus. Let's jump in. Hey, Embrace, how's everybody doing today? Good? Great. Um, it is, uh, I, am, I decided to usher in fall with my lumberjack flannel this morning. I hate fall. I know some of you love fall. I love summer, and so fall is like the death of summer. But I, I embraced it this morning by putting this flannel on, and I see there's a few other of you that did that as well. So fall is upon us, and we're glad that you're joining us here at church today. And if you're on, joining us online or Network Church or one of our campuses, we're excited you're with us uh, as well. My name is Travis. I am the pastor out of the T campus, most specifically. I'm excited to be here with you today. Uh, We've been in a series called Deconstruct, where we have been talking about what this word means. Deconstruct, it's a bit of a buzzword in our culture today. Some people love the word, some people hate the word, and some of us have no idea what this word means. Uh, But it's much simpler than you might think. Deconstruct means just to take apart and examine something. And so you've seen this kind of cool camera and the bumper video we've had of the camera falling apart. So really all we did was deconstruct the camera. We took it apart so we could examine its parts and its pieces. And so when we talk about deconstructing our faith, all that really means is take apart what you believe about Jesus, God, the Bible, the church. Take it apart and look and examine it. And it's something really important to remember about deconstructing, and Adam has shared this the past two weeks, there's something different. Uh, deconstructing our faith is different than destroying our faith. So those aren't the same thing. Deconstructing our faith is completely different than destroying our faith. And so what we're going to look at today is one of the main reasons, one of the main things that people deconstruct their faith over, and that main thing is doubt. Doubt. Uh, doubt simply means being uncertain of something. So oftentimes when we take apart our faith and we examine it, it is doubt that is the motivator. Now, doubt can start out really small, but it can get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, doubt can be something really small, but then we can bury that doubt. It can start to fester and stink. I like to think of doubt kind of like getting food stuck in your teeth. You know, if you ignore it, you eventually get a cavity. And if you ignore that cavity, what happens? You end up losing the tooth. And so doubt is something that can start small, but it can grow and grow and grow. And just to state the obvious, uh, the church has not been like the best place in the history of the church to come and express your doubts, right? The church is a place where you go to have all your questions answered. The church is a place where you go and you can't question anything. And that's really too bad. That's not what the church should be. The church should be a place where you can bring your doubts. You can bring your questions. You don't have to bury them. You can bring them to the light and say, hey, I'm not sure about this thing. Now, there's few topics that I could preach on that are more personal to me than this. Uh, Since as early as I can remember, I struggled deeply with doubt. The questions that I was asking myself weren't, what girl am I going to date or what sport am I going to go out to? I did ask those questions, but those weren't the most important questions. The questions that I asked all the time were, is God, is God real? Can the Bible be trusted? Why do bad things happen? And these questions, they started so young. I mean, when I was like five or six years old, I started having these questions and they started small, but they began to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. 
So much so that I would literally, and some of you know this because you've done this, I would literally lay at night and I couldn't go to sleep because I'd be thinking about these questions. I'd be filled with anxiety over these questions. And guess what I did with them? I buried them. I didn't tell anyone about them. I thought I was kind of bad and sinful and wrong for thinking things. I buried them. But eventually I had to deal with my doubts. How about you? Do you have any doubts in your faith or as it pertains to God? Is there anything that you are uncertain of? Are you wondering about some of the big intellectual questions like I wrestled with, like, is God real? Why do bad things happen? Are you struggling with those? Or maybe you've just had some really hard stuff happen to you and you're wondering, God, why did you allow me to get abused? Why did you allow that miscarriage? Why did you allow my mom to get cancer? And you have questions and you have doubts towards God. Here's the thing. All of us have doubts. And the truth is most of us have probably buried them. We buried them under the ground so far that no one could see them. But here's the deal. If we don't deal with our doubts, they can destroy our faith. If we just bury our doubts and let them sit there, they can end up destroying our faith. They can end up pushing us completely away from God or being completely indifferent with God. We have to deal with our doubts. Uh, as you walked in today, you should have got a note card and a pen. And so what I want you to do right now while I'm talking, because I'm going to keep talking, is I want you to just write down one doubt that you have. One doubt that you have as it pertains to your faith or God. It could be some big intellectual thing. It could be something very personal. But I just want you to write down on this card one doubt that you have. And the reason why I want you to do this is because I think when we write things down, it might be the very first time we've ever acknowledged that doubt to ourselves. We've thought it, but we've never actually acknowledged it specifically. And also we're acknowledging it before God as well. So write down that doubt. And I'm going to, for the rest of this time, I'm going to share some ways to help you deal with your doubts. And as I share these reasons, these, these different ways, things that you can consider how to deal with your doubts, I want you to think specifically about the doubt that you have written down. And so I have four things I want to share with you today, four different things for you to consider when dealing with your doubts. Um, but I'm not going to answer all your questions this morning. Unfortunately, I know as someone who struggled with doubt so deeply, I just wanted someone to give me some answers. Like, give me some answers. But what I have realized is that doubt isn't a question to be answered. It's a journey to go on. Doubt isn't a question to be answered. It is a journey to go on. And so like I said, I want to share with you four things today for you to consider with your doubts. Four things that can help you along the journey. And to do that, uh, we're going to take a look at a man named Thomas. Now, Thomas was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was with Jesus all the time. But Thomas had some serious doubts. So much so that he was nicknamed Doubting Thomas. How would you like that, to have your nickname be your greatest area of struggle? Like, 
That was a nice one, uh, God. I mean, I've had that. My nickname is Too Hot Travis. And so, I mean, a cross I've just had to bear in my entire life. But this story, it picks up, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. And he's appeared to all of the disciples, except for one, Thomas. Let's listen to what we're told. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, hey, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Let me just say this again. Thomas was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was one of the disciples. He spent nearly every moment with Jesus for three years. He saw Jesus do miracles. He saw Jesus calm the seas. He listened to Jesus' teachings, and he tried to put them into practice every single day, yet he still had doubts. How is that possible? How could it be someone that is that close to Jesus? How could he have doubts? The reason he had doubts is doubt is normal. Doubt is completely normal. When we have doubts, at least when I have doubts, it becomes this huge weight that comes upon me and I start to think like I'm wrong and I'm bad and I'm sinful and all these sorts of things, but that's not true at all. Doubt is completely normal. Some of you need to hear that today. You've been struggling with doubts for so long and you just need to know that you aren't bad. And you're not wrong. It is okay to doubt. A few years ago, I went into the doctor because I was having some lower back pain. And I was kind of thinking it was like this big deal out of nowhere. Like I couldn't walk one day. And I was like, just could only lay on my bed. And so I went to the doctor and they, they did an MRI and they did some x-rays. And nothing major showed up on any of that stuff. Uh, so the doctor, he gave me some stretches. He assigned me a physical therapist. And then he said something to me I'll never forget. He said, he said, Travis, he says, you know you are 40. Sometimes back pain is a part of getting old. Translation, don't freak out. Back pain is normal. You're just old. Thanks, doctor. By the way, same thing with doubt, guys. If you're experiencing doubt, don't freak out. You're not bad. You're not sinful. You're not unfaithful. You are normal. Let's continue on. Even though back pain is normal, it's still difficult, right? Like I still have to like stretch and ice and I like can't do certain things because it really, it really hurts. And it's the same with doubt. So even though doubt is normal, it still bothers us. And it still has the potential to affect our faith. Um, one of the most important tools that I have ever heard when dealing with doubt, it came from a pastor from New York City. His name is Timothy Keller. And Timothy Keller, he is a pastor in an area that is very critical and cynical towards religious things. And this is what he says. He says, Everyone doubts their beliefs, but nobody doubts their doubts. 
So the next thing that I want you to consider is this. Don't just doubt your beliefs. Doubt your doubts. So what Keller says, he says, is anytime that we doubt a belief, what we don't realize is we create a new belief. And he says, we, we spend all this time doubting our old belief, but we spend no time doubting the new one. Let me explain this. I know that can be a little confusing, so let me explain that a little bit more. So we have this belief, right? We have this belief, and we, like, we believe something, and then doubt comes in. And it scrambles that belief. So yeah, we put in question that belief and we doubt it. But what we don't realize what happens is we create a new belief. And what Keller is saying, he's like, don't just doubt your beliefs. Make sure you doubt your doubts. Let me give an example for this. One of the greatest doubts that people have is called the problem of evil. Like, why would God allow evil and suffering in this world? Why would God allow storms to ruin communities? Why would God allow cancer, wars, genocide? It's a big question. And if you have that question today, that's a big one. I've struggled with that one. I still struggle with that one at some times. And actually, humanity has been struggling with that one since the dawn of time. Because there's a book in your Bible. It's called Job. It's one of the oldest books written in the Old Testament. And it is all about this question. Why could God allow suffering? But let's take this for an example. So we have this belief, and let's say this belief is that God is good. God's real. He exists. He's good. He loves me. And then this doubt comes in. But why would God allow bad things to happen? And it scrambles our belief. But what we don't realize is it creates a new belief. And that new belief is maybe there is no God. So we spend all this time doubting our old belief and spend no time doubting the new one. So let's do that for just a second. Let's doubt this new belief that there is no God. So if there, there is no God, that means that we were all formed by random chaotic movements of particles in the universe. There was a big bang and everything moved together and we were formed. And so if we were formed by just random chaotic particles that are interacting with each other, would there even be good or evil? Why would there even be good in evil if everything is random? And so if there is no God and there is no good in evil, that means the problem of evil doesn't even matter. That abuse and genocide and suffering, they're not really a big deal because the universe doesn't care. Everything is random. You see what I'm trying to do? I'm just trying to doubt my doubts. I'm not answering any questions, right? I haven't answered any of that big question yet. I'm just doubting the doubt. And Keller's just saying, he's like, hey, you can poke holes of doubt in anything. Don't let doubts in your old beliefs not also go to doubt your new ones. Okay, doubt your doubts. Um, continuing on with the, the story of Thomas, this is what Thomas says. He says, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. The third thing to consider when dealing with your doubt is this, consider a better question. Now, the story of Thomas, it's found at the end of the Gospel of John. And so John wrote the Gospel of John. And I think that this is at the end of the story because I believe John's saying, 
The question that Thomas has is the most important question to have. And what is Thomas's question? Unless I see his hands and his feet, I will not believe. Or put it more simply, Thomas is asking, did Jesus rise from the dead? This is the most important question. This is the questions of questions. Did Jesus rise from the dead? And if he did rise from the dead, it will shed light on all of the rest of our questions. Here's an image that might be helpful for you. This is kind of a pyramid, not a pyramid scheme. I wouldn't do that in church, but uh, we have all these questions, right? We have all these questions in our faith. I like the, like, um, why has the church done so many bad things? Where do the dinosaurs fit into the Bible? Why is there so much violence in the Old Testament? Are there contradictions in the Bible? Why doesn't God show himself to me? Why has bad stuff happened to my loved ones? Why has bad stuff happened to me? Is God actually real? We have all these questions, and don't hear me saying anything. These are good questions. These are good questions for us to think about and consider. But what I just want you to consider today is it is not the most important question. The most important question is, did Jesus rise from the dead? I mean, in some ways, that's what we've been doing with this whole Deconstruct series as we've been trying to point us back to the person of Jesus. We get sidetracked by so many of these sideways questions when the most important one is, did Jesus rise from the dead? And if we can find an answer, if we can find some security in that question, it will start to shed light on all the rest of them. Christians are not Christians because Jesus was a good teacher or a good person. Christians are not Christians because they believe in six literal days of creation or that Jonah was actually swallowed by a whale. Christians are Christians because we believe Jesus rose from the dead. The most important question. And it will shed light on everything else. Now, I don't have time to go into answering that for you this morning, which I wish I could, but I want to give you two resources to look up. One of them is Lee Strobel, another one is Gary Habermas. Lee Strobel is more mainline, Gary Habermas is more of an academic, and they talk about the historical event of the resurrection. And they have books, like you can't believe, but I I listen to a lot of their YouTube uh, lectures online. But search out these two names because they talk about this event of the resurrection and some confidence that we can have that it actually happened. But more than that, what I'm just really trying to tell you is of all the questions that we have, don't miss the best question. Don't miss the most important question to our faith. Did he rise from the dead? I want to go back to the story of Thomas uh, and finish up here. Uh, Thomas says that he needs to see Jesus' wounds to believe, and then this is what we are told. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. 
Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You know, I think doubting Thomas gets a bad rap. It takes a ton of courage to express your doubts and questions. I can't imagine how difficult it had to be for him to say to his friends and his disciples, like, I don't know if I believe this. I'm struggling. I'm doubting. And it's not easy for us to do. Just so you know, we hope that Embrace can be a place where you can express your doubts and ask your questions. And when life happens, you have a place where you can talk about these things. You don't have to know all the right answers here. But look at where Thomas's doubt takes him. Not only does he get to see the wounds of Jesus, Jesus says, put your hand inside my wounds. The symbolism of this is crazy. Thomas's doubt brought him deeper. Thomas's doubt brought him into a deeper, more full relationship with Jesus. And this is the last thing I want you to consider as you think about your doubts. Doubt can bring you deeper. Doubt can drive us deeper. So often when we deconstruct our faith and we have doubts, we let them push us away from God. But it doesn't have to be that way. Doubt is not necessarily bad. Doubt can be a gift. Doubt can be the very thing, instead of destroying your faith, makes your faith come alive. I shared this already, but ever since I was five years old, I struggled with doubts. I had these serious doubts. Well, I'm 41 years old now. I'm a pastor, and guess what? I still have doubts. My doubts have changed, for sure, but I still have them. I used to hate my doubts. They would keep me up at night. Like, they would make me anxious. Like, they would, they would emotionally wreck me. But I don't see doubt like that anymore. I don't see doubt as bad. Instead, I see it as an invitation. When I start doubting something, I see it as an invitation. Like, Jesus is like, hey, it's time to go deeper. I know you're struggling with this. It's, it's time to go deeper. I want to draw you in more. Church, if you're struggling with doubt today, it does not have to destroy your faith. It can take you deeper. And this is how it takes me deeper. I have a doubt and I start praying about it. I just get honest with God. God, I don't know about this thing. Help me. And then I find some really good people and I get into a group with them and I say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling with this doubt. What do you think? And we talk about it. They share their ideas, they share their thoughts, and I grow. And then lastly, I, I research stuff. God is not asking you to check your mind at the door. He's not saying, just accept all this stuff on blind faith. That's not at all what he is saying. Research, there are so many brilliant Christian thinkers, and they have thought of every question that you have written down, and they have written books on them. Research these things. You can find satisfying answers for some of these questions. But remember, it's more of a journey than finding an answer. So many times I maybe found the answer, but it took years of going down the journey of doubt to really feel like, wow, I'm closer to Jesus. So I want you to pull out quickly again your, the doubt that you wrote down. 
I, um, I wrote down two things. I wrote down one intellectual doubt that I have and then one more personal doubt. Uh, my intellectual doubt is I've been reading through the Old Testament and I'm having struggles figuring out some of the old stuff in the Old Testament that they say about God and some of the harshness of God and reconciling that with who Jesus is. I'm just kind of uncertain about like, how does that all work? My more personal doubt, and I've actually thought about this for a while, is I've never had any major tragedy in my life, like major tragedy in my life. And I'm like, if I would have something happen to my kids or my wife, would I stay faithful to God? Like, or would that be the thing that wrecked me? That's a doubt that I have. So I want you to take your doubt and I want you to remember these four things. First, it's normal. You're not wrong, you're not sinful, you're not bad for having doubts. Guess what you are? You are a normal human being. Second thing, make sure you doubt your doubts. Your doubt is creating an alternate belief and you have to identify what that alternate belief is and then doubt it. Third thing, the question you wrote down is an important question. Search out that answers, but it is not the most important question. The most important question is, did Jesus rise from the grave? Because if he did, that changes everything. And lastly, your doubts do not have to destroy your faith. They can drive you deeper. That thing that you wrote down, I believe this with everything in me, is a line that God wants to pull you deeper down into who he is. He wants you to put his, your hands into his wounds to understand him and experience him in a more fuller way. He wants to use that thing you wrote down to do that. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray for our doubts and pray that God would give us some some answers to these questions, but he would most importantly lead us closer to his son, Jesus. Let's pray. God, I know so many of us wrote something down on this card that is maybe uh, very personal to us or maybe very intellectual, but, but all of us maybe wrote down on this card something that we have never told anybody. Lord, I just pray that you would honor that honesty and that you would draw each one of us closer to you. Help us to see you more fully. Draw us into the wounds of Jesus like you did Thomas, and where Thomas says, my Lord and my God. The first disciple to call Jesus God. Draw us deeper, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If today's message encouraged you or if there's someone who comes to mind that you think might need to hear today's message, take a moment now to share it with them. 